Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the text-to-pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. Well, yesterday we uh, started a new sermon series. We're going to spend two weeks thinking through the little book of Philemon in the New Testament. It's kind of an interesting book. It uh, is really just like a letter. It's like it's it's like this random little letter that you would find um, in like Paul's. I can imagine like somebody finding like Paul's old documents and like pulling out this little letter and saying, huh, this is interesting. But, you know, obviously we believe, we affirm this is a part of God's inspired word. Uh, but it's just a very interesting letter because it's a it's kind of a friendly letter to his friend Philemon about releasing um, uh, a bond servant or a slave that Paul had met named Onesimus when Paul uh, was in prison with him. We don't know exactly where the they were in prison together, but we think it might have been Ephesus. But to talk about this little book, I'm here with your favorite Christ Covenant staff ladies and mine, wow. Shannon Smith and Jordan Bourne. Hello. Hi. So glad y'all are here. Glad to be here. Yeah. I, you know, I've been out of town, but yeah. it's good to be back. Yeah, I'm so glad, glad you're back. back. Gosh, I missed you guys. Yeah. I miss you guys. But we're here to talk about Philemon. Um, so we'll start with you, Jordan. So like, what was something that, um, you know, you found interesting that uh, you kind of took away from the sermon? Yeah, I think that for me, the most helpful thing was how just the way that you phrased internal change versus external codes that and the example that you used with the emancipation emancipation proclamation, that was just very helpful in just kind of reflecting on legalistic mindsets that I had when I was younger and then having to um, just challenge myself and then when I came to faith to truly have an internal change versus like a a list of things that I needed to follow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I love that. That can, can I add in? No, because go ahead, go ahead. I, I kind of that was sort of my impression too. That example that you gave because I love history. Mm. I love Civil War history as well. And like you know when you know Lincoln freed the slaves, that was amazing. It was great. Mm. Uh, but a lot of them still, you know, the Civil War continued. But then even after that, in Reconstruction, you're like you know some of these some of these slaves they didn't they didn't know where to go or what mm-hmm. to do because yeah there was a law that was enacted. But people's hearts were many people's hearts were still the same. Well, I mean, and, they and were <clears throat> actually. I would argue some people's hearts grew. Like, well, that's probably I think true. Yeah. Some like racial racial tensions even grew deeper mm. after that. Obviously, there was bitterness over the war. I mean, it, we don't have to get into a history right, lesson right. here, but like it was. Um, yeah, the, the point though was that external laws can change behavior, but they can't really change right. their heart. And, exactly. and Christian law is really after a heart change. I guess kind of some of the point that I was trying to make, or one of the things I clarified there was the difference between like a governmental law mm-hmm. and Christian law or, or the way of Christ and, you know, the way of the state. And and I hope something that came out clearly uh, was that we, we should be grateful for, as you're saying, Shannon, like we should, we should be happy about a system of law and of order. Ex- external right. things aren't bad, mm-hmm. right? They're actually good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Paul says in Romans 13 that the government doesn't bear the sword in vain, right? It is actually for your good. We, mm-hmm. we should be happy that some people, um, uh, you know, 
drive the speed limit because they're afraid of the sword. They're mm -hmm. afraid of yeah. getting a speeding ticket, not because they love the law that the government has right. put in place, right? So these laws are useful, but they're ultimately not redemptive. They mm -hmm. ultimately don't change who we are on the inside. And that's really what God is after. And I think to your point earlier, Jordan, I think you're right. I think that we have wrongly presented the gospel as this means to better behavior mm -hmm. rather than a means to know God mm -hmm. uh, more deeply. And I think, I think that it's possible to behave really well and not really know God. Sure. I feel um, like that was my kind of my upbringing. You know, yeah. I checked all the boxes, yeah. but I really don't think I really loved God mm -hmm. until I really dug into his word when I was an adult into the book of John. It was like, oh my gosh. And I fell in love with Jesus. Yeah. But like I was doing all the right things, you know, I was a good girl. But my heart was 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 not there, you mm -hmm. know, until I really got to know God through, you know, through studying the word. So mm -hmm. yeah. it's kind of my testimony, I guess. No, and I think I think that that is in some ways kind of even the irony of Christianity. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately we worship somebody who was convicted and then killed as a criminal mm. but who knew god but he but his knowledge of god was actually in contradiction with the world that was around him right and so uh now again we live in a context in a western context where most of our laws kind of flow out of a christian worldview so usually somebody who knows the lord well in our culture would live what I would call like a pretty upstanding mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not the goal. The right. goal is to know mm -hmm. the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, external means can change our behavior, but, mm -hmm. um, but it's really only the gospel and it's really only a knowledge of God that can change the heart. Mm. What, so I know you had some questions. Uh, um, Jordan, uh, how about you? Yeah. At the end of your sermon, you talked about the long game and just in reference to believers, how how do you know that the gospel really has penetrated your heart and changed your life? Like, what evidences should we be looking for in regard to that long game? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Let me. Let me. I think there's maybe two questions there. So one is, um, how do you? Well, what I was talking about at the end was. Um, I said, you know, how do you know that someone's actually believed this gospel? Mm -hmm. And I said, they actually behave in the same way. So Paul is a great example there because what does he do? He, he, he says to Philemon, um, if, if there's anything that Onesimus owes you, I'll pay, mm -hmm. you know? So I love him so much. I'm willing to identify with this and there was no social credit that Paul would, I mean, mm -hmm. Paul was a Roman citizen, Paul was educated, Paul was, I mean, Paul had a lot of like social capital. Um, he was friends with powerful people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, obviously in the letter, Philemon respects Paul. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Paul had nothing to gain by befriending uh, Philemon's old slave, but he does, and he doesn't just befriend him, he like goes in with him, he, mm -hmm. he identifies with him, he, he puts his own reputation, and then even his own resources, his own money, on the line for his sake. And so I think what I was saying is, how do you know when the gospel's penetrates you? How do you know when you know God? Mm -hmm. it's, it's when you actually start to behave in this kind of gospel way. Mm -hmm. um, of course, Jesus is the ultimate um, 
you know, advocate, right? Mm -hmm. He's the one that identifies with us fully and takes on our, the price of our sin and does pay the great debt that we have to God. Um, and, and, and here we have Paul for Onesimus kind of being a Jesus character. Um, now, that, sometimes that could be hard to discern. Like, like how do mm -hmm. you? Well, there's a sense of gratitude. It's, I mean, instead of that, I, I got to do this if I don't. It's like, like looking at God almost like this referee or whatever. Mm -hmm. mm, you know, if I do something bad. I'm gonna, right, right, right. But there's this sense of, you know, when you do know God and you do know what's been done on our behalf, that mm -hmm. just that overwhelming sense of just, I mean, your heart's changed. You do things with, I mean, we still are selfish. We're still, you know, mm -hmm. got, we're still being sanctified. But I think there's this, you know, you're living out your life because you're so grateful. Right. You know. I think, I think, yeah. So the three things that I always say, how do you know if you're a Christian? Number one, you, you, you genuinely feel conviction and mm -hmm. you're, and, and you feel broken over your sin. Yeah. So I think repentance is evidence of regeneration. It's evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. So do you hate your sin? Not just do you hate the consequences mm -hmm, of your right. sin. Yeah. Not just do you hate that you got caught in your sin. But do you actually look at your disobedience to God and it brings, um, you, you hate that you've done that. It mm -hmm. brings, you know, great, you know, pain before the Lord. It brings a sense of repentance. You want to turn away from it. You want to get away from this sin in your life. Okay, so that's evidence number one. Evidence number two is, do you actually look to Jesus? Do you actually feel like you only have hope in Christ? I mean, is, it, is, it, is the song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, really true of your life? And I think most people, it's like, my hope is built on the fact that I sang uh, this song. My hope is built on the fact that I went to church. My mm. hope is built on the fact that I read my Bible. My hope is built on the fact mm -hmm. that I did behave. My hope is built on the fact that I heard these things and obeyed, mm -hmm. not my hope is built on the obedience of Jesus and on the death of Jesus in my place and on the life-giving resurrection of Jesus that gives me hope, uh, the hope of life. So do you, do, you, do you hate your sin? Do you really trust in Jesus and not in yourself? And then three, and this is kind of what you're saying. Do you, do you actually love the things of mm -hmm. God? Yeah. Do you find yourself loving what God loves and hating what God hates? Do you love God's people? Do you love his church? Do you love his mission? Do you love serving him? Do you love his word? Do you find yourself actually loving the things of God? Kind of your story with the, the Gospel of John, Shannon. Like, mm -hmm. is this, do you really just love yourself here and you're kind of manipulating God to mm -hmm. serve you or to take you to heaven someday? Or do you actually love what God loves? Mm -hmm. So... Hey, I have a question. When you said um, the long game, you also gave an illustration. I think there were two guys in your church in Covington, mm -hmm. and you were kind of talking about how one, I guess, well, I think you said, maybe you can kind of refresh my, my yeah. memory on this, but when you were talking about the long game, like maybe uh, being a little bit slower on certain things to, well, like looking at, well, looking at the long view, but then I guess what that made me think, and you can elaborate a little bit more and on your point was, you know, what about when the practical need is urgent? You yeah. know, like at what point do Christians need to maybe use the word shrill? I mean, I hate that word and I don't want to ever mm -hmm. be considered shrill. But at what point do Christians need to like just step in and not really worry how I'm coming across? Because there's a huge practical need in their lives. You know, maybe it's the, like I said, the opioid crisis or the sex trafficking or whatever, right, where right. lots of lives are being impacted in mm -hmm. a very negative, horrific, maybe even horrific way. So Yeah, that, that is such a great question, and I think a great thing for us to think through. One of the things that I tried to describe yesterday was that 
I think one of the best ways to understand what Jesus is doing or what the or what Christianity is is an invasion. Mm-hmm. Remember, you don't want to talk about that. Yeah. But it's not like a military invasion, mm-hmm. right? It's not an external invasion. It's actually an internal invasion. Jesus doesn't invade us and force us to change by making us suffer. He actually invades us and forces us to change or leads us to change by suffering on our behalf. And that brings about, and I use the word metanoia, right? Mm-hmm. And I like that word. That's, that's, that's the word for repentance, but it's, it's, it, it actually kind of, it means repentance in the way that I think we would think of it, but it means kind of to reconsider, to, to change your way, to, to become something different, to value something different. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really the goal of Christian discipleship. That's the kingdom. It's, it's turning the hearts of people away from the kingdoms of this world and toward the kingdom of Christ. It, it's Christ invading and taking over our hearts and, and, and taking over our lives. That is the goal of Christian discipleship, okay? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean that we don't live in a world with real, practical, urgent needs, right? Right. And so God's way of us... Um, okay, it's like parenting, right? What is my ultimate goal with parenting? I want my kids to tell the truth because they love the truth, mm-hmm. okay? Because they love the truth and they want and they and they love God and they want to say what is true and right. But for a time, like as a parent, I bear the sword, right? I am like mm-hmm. the government, so I might need to like make my kids obey with you know, discipline with mm-hmm. the rod, right? Mm-hmm. The sword in the house is called the rod. But, um, I, you know, I might need to make my kids obey with by punishing them or putting them in timeout or, or correcting them in some sort of way or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they may only tell the truth because they're afraid of me. That doesn't change their heart. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's still better in the context of our house for them to, because we still live in a house. And so mm-hmm. I think to your point, like when there's like a real crisis, I have like a role as like a citizen or somebody who just like loves my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I think, a great thing to clarify. There's some real like social justice issues, for example, that we should be concerned about. You mentioned human trafficking, okay? I sh- if, if there's somebody that's being hurt, that's being damaged, mm-hmm. I shouldn't necessarily like just go down there and start yeah. sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like I might need to get authorities involved. Right. Like I right. might need to, I might need to do something dramatic to help change that. But that doesn't make them a believer. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately, and here's what I want to make clear, it ultimately won't bring about real righteousness. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, Jesus says something interesting. He, he says, that, you know, the poor will always be with you. Uh, and what does he mean by that? What he is saying is like, th- there's always going to be problems around because you live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. But the real hope of the world is a kingdom that is not of this world, right? And so our real hope of Christian discipleship is to help usher people into that new kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, along the way, like we're obeying the great commandment, we're being a good neighbor, we're bringing about justice um, in the world, which we should do. That's just us being good stewards of this world. But we need to realize that people coming to know and, and being redeemed through a knowledge of God in Christ and people being fed that are hungry are two different things. Um, they're both good. Mm-hmm. They're both important. Yeah. Um, but one is really of this world. Right. And one is really of the kingdom that is not of this world. Mm-hmm. And so what I was saying with playing the long game is, um, you know, don't, you can't 
manipulate real Christian discipleship. Real Christian discipleship no, that. just yeah. takes time. You know, yeah. I gave the example of the guys in Myanmar that, you know, gave people rice if they said they follow Jesus. Okay, well, mm-hmm. you know what? Those people actually needed rice. They were hungry. They're yeah. poor. It's a third world country. Like, they were doing something really, really good that I would say we should be doing. We should probably go take, you know, we should go provide food for hungry people, out, mm-hmm. right? But if you, like, in the process of that, like, manipulate um, uh, discipleship, manipulate the invasion of the kingdom of Christ, to use that, um, you're not really doing discipleship. You're not really changing people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, that, that's what I was trying to okay. hopefully clear. Well, I, f- I felt like you were. I just wanted you to expound on it no, a little man, bit more. Good. Yeah, That's good. Well, ladies, this has been great. Your favorite staff ladies and mine right here at Christ yep. Covenant. So for Jordan Bourne. You say Bourne, that to all the ladies oh, man, at Christ Covenant. Not true, not true. But for Jordan Bourne and Shannon Smith, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.